In my opinion, um, advanced manufacturing is twofold. So there's obviously a role for technology. Mm -hmm. We're well embedded into 4.0 manufacturing capabilities, but I think it speaks to a certain level of business maturity. So having the technology and equipment is one thing, but being able to actually use it um, to at its full capacity um, to create value for a customer um, stretch the limits of design and sustainability and efficiency is something completely different. This is Inspiring Design, where unique innovators come together to share their knowledge, share their insight, and keep us up to date with the latest industry trends. And here's your host, Roshan Senanayak. Welcome everyone. It's great to be back for another episode of Inspiring Design. And this episode marks the finale of season four, wrapping up a very focused attention on so many different aspects of advanced manufacturing. But we've saved the best for last. Sitting in with me is Dr. Carly Warren from Elexon Electronics. To put it simply, Dr. Carly has a passion for design, process and problem solving. Following her high achieving education, Coupled with her initial experience in biological sciences, Kylie now plays a crucial role and significant one in advanced manufacturing. Her knowledge and skills helps drive the development and implementation of quality and environmental management systems in a wide range of industries, including biotech, cosmetics, veterinary, therapeutic, medical devices, and most recently, electronics. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. All right, Kylie, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. Um, can we, as usual, start off with a little bit of background? What's your story? How did you get here to do what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, first of all, thanks for inviting me on the podcast. Um, my name is Kylie Warren. I live here in Brisbane with my partner, two young children. Um, and I'm the quality manager at Alexon Electronics. So um, when I describe my background, I always like to start with the fact that I'm a product of Western Sydney. I was born in Bankstown, grew up in Penrith, and I think it's a contributing factor to my successful career and role in events manufacturing. Mm. Um, I'm sure many people... Is that would... a Sydney thing or a Brisbane thing? Uh, well, no, I, th I think it's a anyone who lives west of an East Coast capital thing. Okay, fair um, enough. <laughs> so those, I mean, yeah, childhoods or living in those areas can be somewhat character building yeah. um, and the outcomes of that is a decent level of fortitude, resilience and determination. So yeah. I think that's a really important factor in any industry, but Absolutely. especially in the manufacturing industry. Um, in terms of career background, I fundamentally identify as a scientist. Mm -hmm. um, I have a Bachelor of Medical Science um, as well as honours and a PhD in HIV replication, mm -hmm. um, which was you know, incredibly rewarding mm -hmm. um, and challenging, but also not the career for me. So I transferred um, from medical research into manufacturing a little over 10 years ago. Um, Have you found that to be like a big change or is it, do you find a lot of similarities in it? Uh, that's a good question. They're not... They wouldn't be of, identical. But. No, no, they my role doesn't exist in medical research. Okay, yeah, so enough. we don't have quality, we have peer review processes. Got it. Um, so you're kind of your own quality person. So yeah. it made sense for me when I moved in there, I'm used to actually checking on myself um, right. and following process and things like that. Um, and so I started, 
I found the transfer easy because I started in um, companies that were focused on medical or science-based manufacturing. So I already had hooks to hang it on, as they say. I knew mm -hmm. what they were manufacturing. Um, I was really drawn to quality management. Um, I, I found during my PhD that I had a different motivator to everyone else. Yep. Um, so they were happy to just tinker in the lab. That got them through between you know, the, the dry spells of not, not incredible results. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it was helping people. Um, I didn't get the same satisfaction from just being in the lab. I got satisfaction from paperwork, which is apparently quite rare. Um, so, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that at the time. Especially um, the teachers even listening and would say marking's their worst thing in the planet. And even being in an education context of, you know, university, you, no, I don't think we enjoy marking in the paperwork, but there you go, rare breed. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Um, so, <laughs> so I found myself drawn to quality management. Yeah. Um, and then more recently, um, having spent time in those science-related industries like uh, cosmetics and biotech and um, therapeutic manufacturing, mm -hmm. I transferred into electronics. And, you know, it might sound like my career is a little bit off track, but it was actually not, not a um, too challenging transfer into electronics, um, even though I had no background, mm -hmm. um, very little knowledge of electronics, can't even get the batteries in my remote the right way. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I wasn't certainly wasn't a subject matter expert, but yeah. I had the right transferable skill set from quality in those related industries to transfer into here. Um, yeah, awesome. And relatively successful. I mean, even having no knowledge of the field, I was able to lead the team here through um, certification for aerospace and environmental and quality standards within a really short short period of time so brilliant so one of the main things because we're also in season four which is defined as advanced manufacturing in your context and viewpoint and the lens what is advanced manufacturing that is a really good question and not a particularly simple one to answer <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so uh, yeah in my opinion um, advanced manufacturing is twofold so there's obviously a role for technology but mm -hmm. we're well embedded into 4.0 manufacturing capabilities but i think it speaks to a certain level of business maturity so having the technology and equipment is one thing mm -hmm. but being able to actually use it um, to at its full capacity um, to create value for a customer um, stretch the limits of design and sustainability and efficiency is something completely different. So an advanced manufacturer to me is a business that has its finger on the pulse of its own company, yeah. but as well as the, its market, its customers and future technology. And they're able to um, adapt easily to change because they, they already know their own capabilities right now and their capacity and what they can do to push those push those limits yeah absolutely i think that you, you kind of brought in a big various pieces of the of a big picture together really well actually there like sustainability future technologies th those two alone are very very big topics <laughs> um so how does your context and your view lens of making sure that the quality control and the assurance components and those systems which we'll define in a little bit i feel like what does that look like within advanced manufacturing? Because I don't think, I think, I feel like it's part of everyone. Yeah, it should be embedded in everyone's process. Um, people don't? No, <laughs> not organically. Fair enough. Sometimes they need someone to remind them, yes. um, which is fair. Yeah. Um, so the way I like to think of my particular role is that I'm employed by a manufacturing business, but I work for the end user, particularly while I'm in something like electronics or therapeutics. My, the most critical part of my job is to make sure that anything, any product released 
is safe for the end user. That means it's not going to cause them harm, yep. but also high quality. So they're getting what they're expecting mm -hmm. and it meets their specifications. And quality does get a bit of a bad rap uh, in the manufacturing industry. So I like to also define what my role is not. Mm -hmm. um, my role is not the police. <laughs> I am not in place to make processes more difficult. Yeah. And I also don't put things in place for the sake of it. Yeah. Um, what my role is intended to do is to ensure customer needs are met, um, act as an interpreter of standards and requirements and make sure we're meeting those specifications, um, make the process easier for all other departments. So they're all my internal customers here. Um, I serve them to yep. make sure their processes are the most efficient possible while achieving the requirements. Yep. Um, I intend to make the business more effective, um, ensure value is gained from processes. We don't just tick a box here, we make sure we gain value from it. Mm -hmm. um, and also drive continuous improvement. We do that through the PDCA cycle, mm -hmm. as well as Lean and Six Sigma methodologies. So the layman's terms, what, what are those things, if you could elaborate a bit more? Uh, yeah, so um, the way I achieve those intentions is by overseeing the implementation of what's called a quality management system. That's mm -hmm. the framework that includes both quality assurance or QA and quality control, which is QC. So QA is those front end systems in place to ensure quality. It's document control, it's change control, making sure your business analysis is done so you know your risks and, and I think and that's what in place. also would probably help to then communicate to your customers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. They rely on that, yeah. um, knowing that we've done that process. Because, I mean, it's great for them to know that we can manufacture to their specification, but it matters to them how sustainable our business is and how viable our business is. They can't yeah. put all their eggs in our basket. And, in fact, we're not particularly efficient or haven't addressed our own risks. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then we have QC, which are the verification activities to make sure compliance has been achieved. We we embed that at all stages of manufacturing. So mm -hmm. incoming goods are inspected. We inspect uh, in-process work or um, intermediate products as well as um, finished products. Yep. And the aim in manufacturing is to actually minimize the level of QC. So mm -hmm. the, the better your processes are, the more you embed quality, the less checking you're doing. Yeah. Yep. So you actually have to speak to pretty much every single person in the process. That's my job. Yeah. I know so, every role in a business. There you go. So how do you actually communicate? I feel like there's a high level of one something that isn't really a subject matter, but I feel like it should be is emotional intelligence. Yeah. You know, how do you talk to the customer? Do you have, is it a learned thing? Is it a skill that you kind of learned on the job? What did yeah, that like? I think that was um, one of the important things I picked up from my science background is actually being able to um, digest information mm -hmm. and be able to you know, communicate that with a really diverse range of audiences. So it makes a big difference here whether I'm speaking to a client or a certifying body or a frontline user or an engineer, yeah. um, species of their own. Um, so it, there is a lot of communication skills required. And I think sometimes they're not focused on in the quality team. And that's why mm. where things can really fall apart. If you don't have that level of um, emotional intelligence. Yeah. Um, and and it's very tough as well because it, Inherently, your jobs are designed to communicate. Like one of the biggest challenges from my own learning experiences was practicing architecture, then talking to a designer, sorry, talking to an engineer about the same building. It's a completely different ballgame. Yeah. And if you're just looking at your viewpoint, mm -hmm. zero empathy for that other professional, it's not an easy process. Yeah, yeah. it's one of the, it's probably the, one of the biggest challenges for someone in a quality role is actually communicating to every stakeholder yeah. because they use the quality management system differently. They all have their own requirements of it. They all have their own language. Yeah. Um, and you just have to embed yourself in the process. It's one of the very rare roles where you have to know 
every process. And I feel like you also need to be extremely detail-oriented, but also very big picture as well. You almost yep. have to zoom in and out yep. very quickly. Exactly. And yeah, that that the rapidity of how quickly you need to make that decision mm. is a really hard skill set to get. And it's something I learned at university. It's one of the... Okay, we yeah. might get to that because that's, I think, one of them always learning these kind of pathways and um, job opportunities and career goals, but mm -hmm. then knowing how the students, listeners can actually understand how to get there. That's, that's one of the main roles, but mm -hmm. we'll do that a little bit later. So how do you see this kind of, this work being a bigger part in when you're looking at, let's say, Queensland's manufacturing, how is it becoming more? Do you have any examples of what it might look like um, where quality assurance happens in a day-to-day -day part? Yeah, so it's, it's already a, a really big part of manufacturing and advanced manufacturing in Queensland. Mm -hmm. um, we're heavily certified. Um, so we already have standards and certifications in place and things like that. Um, but it's a contentious point. But in my opinion, as we start to move towards industry 5.0, mm -hmm. I believe we'll start to see quality systems not only used for compliance as a tool for compliance, um, we'll actually use it to drive company culture and collaboration within the industry. And we already have started living and breathing that at yeah. Lexon. So um, when it comes to driving company culture, that's um, we know our staff have different motivators and uh, they define success differently. They speak a different you know, language because they're in different departments. They're, you know, they're focused on what they're doing. Um, but the quality system here has something for everyone and we make sure that it addresses everyone's needs. So. Um, we have staff that are data-driven and the quality system has plenty of KPIs and targets to keep them happy. They know exactly where they are. Mm -hmm. I've got plenty of staff here with their graphs up. They know exactly how they're performing on the day and it gives yep. them a great level of satisfaction. That's great. Um, we also have staff that prefer visual or um, tangible outcomes mm -hmm. and we have a quality system that promotes engagement with the end user. We get a lot of feedback from customers, whether it's good or bad. Um, and they get their satisfaction from that. I actually think bad feedback is probably one of the best things. Yeah, it's harder at the time. But exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it shows yeah. actually exactly where something that's been in front of us the whole time, but we don't see it. So yeah. I yeah. think that's great. <laughs> it's really valuable because someone's taking the time to give you that feedback. Absolutely. That's how we use our external certification process as well. As much as it causes a little bit of stress for the staff, I love them personally. Yeah. Also not a standard trait for people. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy audits. Um, and, and I think it's important to... It's good that you're I can see how you're in the work that you're doing because you do love the parts that most yeah. people inherently don't so yeah, yeah. that's a good thing yeah yeah I'm yeah you got to find your niche <laughs> I found it that's fair um and so yeah we've, we've got something here for everyone's um their goals and and how they define success and things like that mm -hmm. but we also make sure the quality system gives everyone a voice here so for example when i internal audit we directly interact with frontline staff and we not only check for compliance but we check in with them to say are you happy with the process do you know anywhere we can improve um what are you not happy about mm -hmm. and it gets escalated to senior management for corrective action every time um and we also uh, make sure that we involve all like a really broad range of stakeholders in our root cause analysis process. So uh, there's, I really dislike it when they do root cause analysis and don't involve the person who actually did the process um, because okay. they've usually got the most information. That's fair. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we make sure that there's a broad range of stakeholders, even external people who don't know the process because it's great to have a big picture view of something you don't understand. And they've usually got 
you know, outside-the-box ideas. Um, Absolutely, and fresh perspectives coming Exactly, exactly. But it also gives people ownership of corrective action as well. If they're involved in the decision-making process and they can see what the corrective action is going to be, they'll they'll actually own that instead of me having to implement everything. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So um, this is, a, sorry, this is a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you actually keep up with it? <laughs> I have a really good memory. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, I don't know how to train that. Uh, That's a tough one. Yeah, yeah, I think it's something I have that I've used to my advantage here. Yeah. Um, it shouldn't be so memory-based, but it's a lot. Yeah. Um, but something I – it comes quite naturally to me. Um, so it's, you know, going into an aerospace audit next week, it's nothing for me to be able to talk about every single department here um, and know what they're doing and remember corrective actions and remember exactly what's going on. Um, Is there a component of technology that comes into this management process on the day-to-day given? Yeah, we have project management tools that keep us on track. So everything's sense. recorded and, yeah. you know, if I don't remember it, I can find it fairly easily. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah wow. There you go. So there's a lot of moving parts. And being advanced manufacturing is usually also known as a bit of a male dominant sector. Mm-hmm. Even in uh, going through schools, um, usually the woodwork, steelwork workshops, there's usually more male students going through those contexts. And I'm obviously not taking into um, fact of the, the various types of other genders. Mm-hmm. What's your experience when it comes to females working in advanced manufacturing? Um, you've obviously found a really unique niche, really unique skill sets, um, and there's a lot of, I think, exciting next generations wanting to look at it, but they usually sometimes see that context of it's a male-dominant area, so therefore it's not for me. What's your context for them and your experience? Yeah, it's changed a lot since, I mean, science was a very male-dominated field as well mm-hmm. uh, when I was there. Um, it's changed a lot. We would certainly have a bit more of a voice, but we've got a long way to go. Um, at Alexon, where proud to say that we are 50-50 and that's across all departments. So our production team is 50% female. Uh, Our management team is 50-50 as well. Um, So we don't really, we don't have quotas. That's that's happened organically. Um, We don't really, I don't find gender as a limiting factor here, but I understand that's not the case in other businesses. Um, And traditionally, women end up in the support roles um, for advanced manufacturers. Um, So things like quality and procurement and marketing and things like that. and as much I, I like to emphasize that um, there's nothing wrong with administrative roles, but those roles are not administrative. There's actually quite a lot of strategic thinking. There's a lot of Absolutely. complexity to it. There's a whole different skill set to what I do, to what my procurement team does, to what my marketing team does. Um, and I don't think people understand that. They see that those female-dominated roles are just administrative, and mm. there's actually they're really challenging, and they keep me totally challenged and satisfied Um, (laughs) i get bored really easily and i am sufficiently challenged here yeah um and they do we do end up i have of course ended up in one of those traditional female roles but i think that actually has more with me to do with me being a scientist Mm -hmm. than a female and i think there's it's it, it can be seen in both ways but it's a context of we naturally have strengths and weaknesses yeah and they're actually very complementing if we look at it as a complementing different pieces of the puzzle forming a bigger picture. Yeah. So it, it depends on, I think, the viewpoints. But what's your advice for, let's say, younger females looking on to advanced manufacturing as a pathway? Because when I speak to a lot of the 11s and 12s and even 10s, it's a mixed bag. They haven't learned what happens in the real world yet mm-hmm. sometimes. And they haven't seen what's happened in the last, you know, four, 50, 60, 70 years. What's your advice for them hearing those elements, if they're especially a female? Uh, but not to let it be a limiting factor. 
um, yep. just, you know, Find your niche. it's hard to say, <laughs> be confident when you're not there yet. Um, but yeah, you need, you do still do need a certain level of fortitude to mm. make your way into a male dominated industry, but just to be, you know, I'm not saying men are poor at or have weaknesses that we don't, um, but there are skill sets that we have mm. that do really suit advanced manufacturing, like being process driven, like being um, time management skills, yep. organization skills, really good memories. Um, there you go. We are really good at nagging, so that's the <laughs> quality department. Um, we've got a chief nagger here. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, it does actually suit those roles. Yep. Um, and they're real careers. They're not just here to support um, yep. engineers or manufacturers. And the funny thing is you actually cannot achieve what you do. The, the front-facing product that comes out that everyone sees actually doesn't happen without that collaborative uh, environment and the team and mm -hmm. the different viewpoints, strengths and weaknesses. So that's, that's good yeah. too. Yeah. See that people are identifying it and not looking at it as a barrier almost. Yeah, yeah. And we have a lot of um, women in manufacturing industry events and things like that. So yep. get yourself involved with those. We'll let you know what's here. Absolutely. Yeah. There you go. Perfect, perfect. So um, going back to the skill sets broader, um, not just the gender context. Um, we already talked about some of the strengths and weaknesses that you kind of identified, good memory, the ability to zoom in and out, the, um, the empathetic speaking, communication skills. If we were to list almost the soft, the key soft skills, and there's a few people that don't like when I say the word soft skills, hard skills in, in, um, on my episodes, but for the purpose of the listeners, <laughs> what are some of the key soft skills that you think are really valuable for these types of roles? Yeah, definitely design thinking. So I think that's important for any person who works in advanced manufacturing, regardless of role, and that includes mine. Absolutely. So uh, I work in an innovation company. So it's, it underpins it's everything I do ideally. here. Things change every day. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you have to have that mindset. Um, I have to be able to design processes that meet the requirements of multiple stakeholders. Um, and to do that, I have to think systematically and mm. with empathy, you know, have that right mindset to get, to get things done. Um, also from my science background, systematic thinking. So, um, my career path does seem like it's off track, but really I use my systematic problem solving from science here every single day. Um, I, for example, run um, root cause analysis activities. I use um, DMAKE method for project management and continuous improvement projects. Uh, and we, I coordinate the Play-Do Check-Act cycle. So that that is literally the scientific method. Yeah. Like it's that controlled process that yeah. other departments don't so like to follow. Yeah. Um, it's ingrained in me and it comes really, really naturally. So it's one of the soft skills I rely on every day. Was that a taught skill set in the science context? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it came organically. I certainly picked yeah. that. I mean, I did eight years of science at university, so yeah. I picked that up. Yeah, yeah, fair definitely enough. from them. And um, one of the main components of design thinking from a traditional background, and obviously it can vary based on the industry, is the fact that you create almost customer personas. Now, a lot of companies do customer personas and empathy mapping, and mm -hmm. that can be very detailed to very surface level. Do you do that for the different types of stakeholders that you have to do? And it can be a no, I'm just purely curious. Yeah, not, not in a formal <laughs> manner, but probably... Informally, that's exactly what I'm in doing. In your head yeah, as well, exactly. probably, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go away and come up with prototypes for them to trial based on how they work and, and what they're doing. Yeah. Mm, okay, makes sense. And what are some of the hard skills that are associated? Maybe some of the technologies that you play. You mentioned, obviously, software. Um, but are there other technologies that might not necessarily be, let's say, 
in gear now in 2023, 2024, do you see anything like, let's say, maybe virtual reality, augmented reality, AI? Do you think they'll come into play in your roles in future? Uh, Put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Possibly. Possibly. Um, okay. There's a few restrictions around things like security control and things like that that Absolutely. will delay the onset, yep. especially in industries like therapeutic and aerospace. Um, Makes sense. There's not enough control there for yep. that to be rolled out yep. in the very near future. Yep. Um, but certainly incoming, there could be um, use for those sorts of technologies. Um, for now, it's very human-centric. Yep. Um, which is actually not a bad thing. No, because we don't trust robots. Um, so there you go, there you go. <laughs> someone's still got to check it. Someone's yes. got to check the, the software. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I think when it does hit, it's going to be a real balance. So I, I know um, other companies use um, software systems to run their training programs and, mm -hmm. and to do all their onboarding and things like that. Um, and as much as we have the more manual process here, I think other companies lose that human touch. So they're not getting engagement and the building of culture because mm. they've actually lost that human interaction. So yeah. I think when it does come, it needs to be balanced out. Yeah. No, yeah. that's fair. I think that's understandable. And, mm. and, and because you are coming from the very specific viewpoint, your perception of technology is not as surface level excitement that most people tend to have because it is usually a front end, sometimes can be a little bit gimmicky um, and only in advanced manufacturing you see augmented reality mm -hmm. being rolled out a little bit more now than let's say five years ago. So it's interesting, uh, I simply wanted to understand your viewpoint. Now when you're looking at um, when you're looking at the next future generations wanting to enter advanced manufacturing, uh, maybe looking at roles of yours, What's your advice for them as a, as a full group, let's say in the next five to 10 years? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my key advice to them is to aim for a field of interest rather than a particular job title. Um, so it's important, I think, to find where your interests are um, and your motivators and go from there. So, you know, don't just aim for an engineering role. You might just be interested in part of a manufacturing industry. Um, and I find you'll be much happier and get a little more job satisfaction if you actually enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and that, uh, my advice is it's okay to study science and not be a scientist. Um, don't be afraid of that. It's still a really valuable and sought after skill set. I'm Absolutely. still as valuable as I would be as a scientist. It hurts at the start. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's, it's okay for a career path to do that. You, it's okay to say, I, I don't enjoy this. Yeah. Um, and I, I know I can confidently use my skill set elsewhere. And I think that I just wanted to second that advice because even going through school, I, I was lucky with a really good teacher and he was my manual arts graphics teacher. But one of the first things he told me was looking at practicing design, you should be doing physics, chemistry. He didn't say bio because it was more the built environment and I didn't really need that. Um, but he was like, couple it with that context and yeah. some of the best advice that I've ever received. So awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and also find what you're good at. Um, I like documentation and paperwork and sometimes it can be your key distinguisher. Like I did not know other people didn't like it mm. um, and now it's my full-time job. So, cause there I you go. really enjoy it and I'm good at it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, other than that, if you're looking for a role in manufacturing, my advice is to get on those job websites like Seek mm -hmm. cause you don't know if your job's out there until you see it. Yeah. Um, and it gives you a head start. If you find an industry or a role that's, you know, you're interested in on a job website already tells you what qualifications and experience they're looking for. Yeah. Um, 
and I still do it, don't tell my boss, because um, I'm, I'm ambitious, I look five years ahead, I want to yeah. know what skills other people are looking for so that I can add to my repertoire and be better at my job now yeah. or you know, move into something else in the future. What can I be adding to my skill set to, to reach you know, another industry? Makes sense. Um, also, when you're on those job websites, don't forget you don't have to meet all the criteria to apply for a job. Mm. Um, my, and that's a hard thing to do. Uh, it took me a long time. But um, essentially, my advice is to flip it around. If you're interested in a role, apply for it. And it's up to the employer to decide whether you're the person they're looking for. Yeah. Um, and I like to share my experience that when I applied for the role here, they were looking for someone who was a quality manager with experience in electronics and the three standards they wanted to be certified to, and I ticked zero boxes. Um, <laughs> it worked out okay yeah. um, because I was able to communicate my skill set and I'm just far enough outside the box to work. And I think that's, a, again, a valuable piece of advice because most people tend to think when they see something that it is a checkbox activity. Yeah. And I think one of the most important things is you you might be perfect for a job on your resume because you can tick all the mm -hmm. boxes, but you have if you don't have that emotional intelligence, communication, yeah. ability to learn, um, you know, the resiliency, those elements, which is probably very underrated, mm -hmm. they're the things I think that can drive a very beautiful career, personal experience as well. So um, I think that's that's great to hear. You actually got to do what you do without actually having that checkbox yeah, yeah. in the beginning. Someone did have the uh, awareness to put in the job ad that you're probably a scientist because we need a problem solver. There uh, you go. And I'm one of the few scientists here. Yeah. Um, it did work out. That was right. <laughs> They're problem Perfect. solvers. Perfect. Um, but yeah, it worked out okay. And uh, yeah, I when I'm interviewing, you know, it's an important thing to me to not only see that people fit the role, but fit the culture here. So if someone, mm. if you don't get into a company, they're probably doing you a favor. Yep. You know, advanced manufacturers, as I said, usually have a finger on the pulse of their business. They know exactly what's going to work for right now. It doesn't mm. mean you won't fit in the future. They know what's going to upset their apple cart right now. <laughs> yep. um, and they know what's going to fit. And if they need something outside the box, they'll, they'll go and get it. Yep. Fair. There you go. And then and one of the other things of looking at the education sector, teachers, schools, guidance counselors, usually don't say, you know, you should go into quality control. It's not a pathway that people usually perceive. Do you have advice for teachers, schools listening in from that perspective? Yeah, obviously be aware of actual careers out there. When I went through um, high school and university, this, my job, I had no idea this existed. Um, I did I did study laboratory quality management at university yep. um, and as some sort of self-fulfilling prophecy was the quality manager in that task. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it, even then it didn't occur to me that that was a actual career path um, or something you just ended up in because you didn't succeed at something else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, awareness of that, um, just expose the, the students to what's actually out there. Um, but also... Um, my advice would be to, and I, I'm really not in touch with tertiary education. It's been over a decade since I've been in touch with those methodologies. I don't know what's happening now. Um, so I would say it's more important for the students to learn how to learn rather than retain specific information. So yeah. when I employ people here, I don't need them to actually know an exact set of information. I need them to know how to learn. Yeah, and you can always teach someone who's has the ability and the want to learn yeah, exactly. anything on this planet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and having that awareness as well is important. So when I interview, and hopefully no one's listening, I uh, my key question is what work environment do you strive in and what do you look for in a manager? Because it tells me they've got the maturity to have done some self-assessment. 
and say, here's how I learn, yep. here's what I'm looking for. And if someone walks in and says, I'm a visual learner, I don't like to be micromanaged, but I like a collaborative team, I go, thank you, I can work with that. There you go. Um, you otherwise, get the formula. <laughs> otherwise, I roll out training and I get blank stairs and I've got to change it, um, that kind of thing. So it, it tells me they know how to learn. Yep. Um, and rather than just be able to do the role straight away, they know how to find information and actually get, get things going. Perfect, perfect. Um, what's the best way to get in touch if someone wants to learn more from you? Um, might hopefully not using your formula to ask you questions, um, but what, if they do want to learn more, is there any resources or how, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, so best contact for Lex Electronics is our website or we're very active on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm also active on LinkedIn for anyone who wants to you know, get more information or um, connect. Um, I love to chat about quality, so um, I can talk for days without Perfect. stopping. Um, so if you start me, you, good luck stopping. Um, <laughs> but no, go. it's something I really like to talk about. Um, and I think you know, part of quality is industry collaboration and shared learnings. Like we, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. I'm, you know, I make sure I'm heavily networked. So when I hit a roadblock here, I go to someone else and say, how do you do that? Yeah. Um, I'm in the same position. So happy for people to reach out. And uh, one random question, and I've been kind of, I always kind of think on the fly for this one. And because we're recording in the first week of January, I just thought, going, do you have any New Year's resolutions? <laughs> I have been asking everyone that, like all my friends groups as well, so. <laughs> personal ones? It can be personal, professional, doesn't matter, anything. Yeah, I have professional ones. Okay. Um, so I just set my team up with their goals for 2024. Um, and we have stretch goals. Yeah. So um, they've got their stretch goals. My goal for this year is to be like improve my management of them. And I'm now their mentor. So yeah. Great. So 2024 for me is mentoring my team yeah. to, to upskill them and make sure they're still advancing their skill set. It helps me out in the long run. Perfect. Um, but yeah, get those stretch goals across the line, ease my own work burden. <laughs> There you go. It's working smart, not hard. I love yeah. that. Thank you so much for your time. I feel like we could honestly talk quite more, but um, we've just hit our usual time slot. So thank you so much for sharing that knowledge. That was a lot of information in a short period, um, which is usually the most valuable for listening. Short period of time, here's the information. Do reach out to Kylie if you have any um, questions on LinkedIn, like she mentioned. But otherwise, thank you so much. It's been awesome. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. That's it for today's episode. Now it's time to take action and build on the learnings to get inspired. First up, jump on to rashansenanayaka.com forward slash podcast and check out the show notes, links and other relevant learning materials from this amazing episode. Next, if you learned something new today, click that subscribe button and set yourself up to receive live notifications on future episodes, as well as more opportunities to learn from our amazing guests, brands and speakers. Last but not least, it's time to have your say. Join the conversation and share your thoughts and feedback on today's episode with a review, all while joining many others with a five-star rating for Inspiring Design with Rashan Senanayaka. Till next time. Thank you.